You unlock this benefit with the key of Patreon. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of thought. A dimension of speculation. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both waffle and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed into the podcast zone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a Stories Out of Time and Space bonus episode. That's right, Julian and I are jumping straight in and we're going to keep these short and concise because we are going to be looking at the Twilight Zone. Every episode, these are going to be some bonus just for you. And if you're on Patreon, you're getting these exclusive early bird before they go out to the general public, which could be months from now. So you're getting a real exclusive. And we're not going to mess around because we're going to keep these really short which is why I'm trying to talk as fast as possible. So between me and Julian, we're probably going to be keeping this to 15 minutes an episode. Uh, and we're going to go from the beginning, and we're going to go through every episode, and we may be joined by other guests along the way. We will find out. Um, but other than that, we're going to jump right in with Where Is Everybody? The first episode of The Twilight Zone by Rod Serling. Uh, so, Julian, I'm going to go straight to you, mate. So, where is everybody? First thoughts. Uh, I think it is a weaker episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it is basically like today, it would be a VR style story, right? Yes. Um, but so basically like, you know, the entire thing is like he's stranded alone in a town. You know, he has adventures. It's a kind of like thought experiment, which I think, the you know, some of the best Twilight Zone episodes are. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you know, it's part of preparations for space flight and dealing with loneliness. Um so I dig the kind of original context of sort of, you know, what's going to happen in space? You know, <laughs> uh, how are we going to deal with this? Um, but it's basically an extended fantasy that winds up being a VR. Yeah, I, it, it's weird that it's an opener. I mean, this, this goes to show how t- TV is different because this would be a mid-season, let's save some budgetary money um, kind of episode, I think, nowadays. Weird fact, uh, the whole sort of... Um, um, bit where he's trapped takes place in hill valley um this is the set that was used for gremlins in hill valley i spotted it when i saw the the uh, the, the courthouse i was like oh i know that <laughs> um i do like the fact though that this thing is obviously about sensory deprivation like this, this theme of loneliness seems to be one rod serling will come back to even with you know even in the first sort of batch few episodes um but i like the fact that this whole fantasy like as it's set up like this is a separate reality and i I can't dig this idea of like when you're lonely like this your sanity starts to slip to the extent of like he visualizes weirdly like this picturesque american town but no people um and you know i don't think he's trying to say anything but it's just it's a really odd um i don't know it's like you know he doesn't recognize anything like we have we have an episode coming up or a guy goes back to his hometown. It's like you know, if you if you're gonna be in that sort of isolation, would you not sensory deprivation? Would you not picture things you'd recognise? You know, like say your hometown, your, your childhood house. I don't know. It's sort of a yeah. It doesn't really make sense. And and, and there's the attempt to sort of connect it with his environment. Mm. When we cut to him in the sensory deprivation tank, he smashed the clock, and that is presumably supposed to be him smashing into a mirror. Mm. Um, you know, what you see shatter. And so there are these kind of like little sort of wannabe Alice in Wonderland sort of corollaries, uh, but they don't really work. Like, as you say, you know, if you're stuck in the sensory deprivation tank, why would you imagine 
this town you don't know and this mirror and it's like the the premise is just an excuse to play with this thought experiment right yeah it's just well you know you go crazy you could hallucinate anything so yeah so you know i mean that's fine for what it is i mean i will say that at its best it is sort of does have some of that twilight zone creepiness with the empty Mm. town um and if you've ever you know been I mean, like, you know, we've gone through COVID, right? There are times where, you know, you're in, it's not quite, um, well, you know, sort of we addressed in the third season, uh, Vanilla Sky. Mm. Um, You know, it's not kind like Times Square empty kind of creepiness, right? But it has some of that. I would say that at its best, it has sort of a kind of like Philip K. Dick feeling of like that paranoia of I'm being watched but I don't know by who, you know, and finding the paperback, like the last man on earth where it's like, this is creepy. And mm. I don't think it really works, but it does kind of prefigure that. I, I like what it's going for though, in that sense, because I, I say that creepiness of the town, because the picturesque town as well, like, you know, they've, they've chosen it for it to be a very picturesque, very sort of like middle America kind of town. But it's, it's, they set things up as well, that like, it's not that this has been abandoned for, you know, a long period of time. Like everything's spotless. Yeah, you, know, you have the, the the van there with the mannequin in, and then when he goes into the cinema, like the th- that's the the bit I find creepy. Like he goes into the cinema, and then the projector comes on. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Who's there?" Like there's constantly moments when you're like, "Oh, there could be. There's got to be some acting party in this." You know, to um, have put the mannequin in the van, or, or you know, to activate the cinema screen. Like, there's got to be some active parties, and there's just not. Or, or um, the telephone that rings, right? Yes. Somebody's got to call that number, right? Well, again, like, you know, you 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 say about the Alice in Wonderland idea, this thing of connecting it to the to the um, to the real world. It seems like again a missed opportunity. I know I do this thing, but like you say, you broke you breaks the wind the mirror that then is reflecting the clock. It's like okay, well, you know, it would have been really cool if when you come back you find that there's a buzzer in the in the in the the cell thing that he's in. Like you know, where's this light coming from that he then thinks is the projector and mm-hmm. sort of like. Has that little, you know, pod? What's in there that's that's sort of creeping into his his fantasy? Like, how, where's that break between reality and and you know, fantasy? It never well, quite. They, never quite there's get... also the sort of like call emergency call button mm. that is supposed to be the sort of triggering of the um, streetlights. You yeah. know, like the sort of call to change the lights. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that, like, in the script would read, like, oh, shit, that's cool, right? But in practice sort of feels like, yeah, those are two little gestures toward that. And where did everything else come from? And you're quite right. Mm -hmm. Like, a little bit of light could have been nice to, you know, reflect that movie. I do like that movie bit. I do like the... um, uh, that he sort of realizes he's in the Air Force, but yeah. he doesn't know what the Air Force is. Like, you know, I don't know why he's suffering from amnesia, you know, except yeah. he went crazy yeah. and anything's happened. It's that generic craziness, though, isn't it? Because you find out that he's been in there for something long. Like, the thing is, like 420 hours. Um, 484. 484. They get 484 cool. hours. Yeah, and that, that's, you know, it's, it's a long time. And, you know, Again, but there's nothing there about sleep deprivation or sensory deprivation. And I get it about this idea of loneliness and this idea of solitude and, and confinement. 
but it's it's sort of um yeah it never quite links up to say like okay well this is and i know that that's the point of the twilight zone is not to give you all the answers but they just come out and go like oh yeah he just went a bit crazy for a moment but then like <laughs> as soon as he comes uh, it's just a flip at the end he comes out and they're carrying him away on a stretcher and he's like i, I can't go back there i'm never going to go back there and the, the his general ever's like it's all right son we know what you're doing this was to send you to the moon and you're like oh that's the reveal and then within minutes he's like pointing at the moon and going i'll see you soon and i'm like hang on a minute what happened to you feeling terrified of solitude at the, a minute ago like you know a, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he sort of like reverses himself and he's like, well, sorry, I kind of cracked up at the end there. Mm. Um, I do like that the the military is compassionate toward yeah. him. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, also, I mean, this is 1959, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there isn't even a space race, really. Um, you know, we're talking Sputnik era and, you know, really. Yeah, I mean, this is the era in which like the Fantastic Four maybe there are cosmic rays up there that's just gonna make us mutate who knows right um so but i do think there's a kind of like there's this rod serling has a kind of spirituality and and Mm. there's this discussion you know that's very quiet it's a very sort of like liberal um if it is it might be vaguely deist um it's not really atheistic, but it's not really Christian or, uh, you know, organized religion either. It's sort of like a vaguely deistic, um, you know, sort of like there is a sort of like loving God kind of stuff mm. um, that's not that goes beyond deism. But there is a spirituality there that comes through in Serling. And I think some of these episodes, the best episodes have this where there's a kind of compassion for humanity and he there's this bit about how like we have figured out how to feed the stomach and we figured out how to you know do everything with space flight we can do run these formulas but what about the human spirit what about our sense of loneliness and mm. i think that also speaks to the post-war condition in mm. which america has great affluence today you know everybody has cell phones everybody has yeah. you know video on demand we have things that you know, our, our ancestors like working in the fields and, you know, gathering to for sustenance couldn't imagine. And yet we're also screwed up, you know, and we're going <laughs> to psychiatrists and having anger outbursts. And it's like we live in utopia. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that they do that, because, again, like what you say about, you know, um, this idea of sort of the endurance, I suppose, you know, this idea of like, yeah, post-war is sort of like, you know, we need, you know, the space race, I think, was obviously starting and that sort of thing. It's got to be, got to be the best. And this idea of sort of like, well, what, what is it we're aiming for now? Um, and I, But you're right about the fact that not only are they, is the military compassionate towards him, they defend him against the press. Mm-hmm. You know, so the press come in and they're like, well, general, you know, well, that bit where he cracked up at the end. And the guy's like, he's been in there for 484 hours. I'd like to see any of you do that because that's a trip to the moon some uh, orbits of the moon and a trip back. If anything, that's really impressive. Shut your face. And, you know, I, I was really impressed that the military are like, you know, and then he does, like you say, he's compassionate. So it, it, it's it's not pro-military in any way that I, I sort of see, but there's, there's definitely this sort of, like you say, this perseverance of the human spirit of saying, actually, no, this is an achievement. We've done something here. Well done. You know, it's not, 
he's not being denigrated. He's not being ripped down for having failed. Or they're like, no, no, you, you know, no one else could have done what you've done. Well done. And I find that's quite an interesting thing that again will come through from Serding. I think throughout this is within the Twilight Zone. It often sort of tries to push for the betterment of, of people. And this is again, this is the first episode. It, 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 it's more obvious in other episodes, but again, there's this thing of like, no, 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 no. you know, you you are doing well even more so like i said the prettiness of this small town like he could have gone to like a horrible dive but no it's hmm. even in his apocalyptic landscape yeah. right yeah. you can do whatever you want yeah and it, but even in his fantasy like he he recognizes it's the american dream this is the sort of you know this, this sweet town with the square and all this other stuff so um there's, there's definitely I agree that sort of spiritualism that sort of i think the, the positivity to this that um of science fiction positivity but mm-hmm. uh, um, I actually found quite endearing, really, sort of um, for this first episode. Yeah, and I guess you know I'm hard on it, and and I will say that uh, you know the if you're going to do a fantasy like I, I'm a big fan of uh, um, the movie Altered States, with me, which maybe we'll get to eventually, and and the concept mm. of sleep deprivation and the concept that our brains are not logical, right? Yeah, you take the most rational person in the world you know, deprive them of sleep and, you know, put them in a black void, you begin hallucinating stuff. Um, This is just something our brains are designed to do, probably to keep us from going crazy and shutting down. Mm. You know, so you don't really see that um, experience, right? You don't see inside that tank as dark, right? You just see it lit up as, you know, it's revealed. But I do like, you know, hey, at least the idea of like, uh, a vacant world reflects his experience of loneliness. Mm. So, you know, yes, you can kind of do whatever you want with that fantasy. The excuse is kind of, you know, lame in a way, but um, as an exploration of being all alone, stuck in a spacecraft, you know, it's it's a cool idea. Mm. I agree with that. I'd call it. I mean, the one thing is, is the final note for me is, I like this idea of this sense of reality, this idea of sort of like, you know, this division between Going back to the idea of division between fantasy and reality, and how easy it is to fall into this fantasy. Um, and you know, yes, it's this weird world when there's nobody there, but it's so perfect and so sort of together. Um, that it does, you know, you can question like your 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 dream reality. Like, what's the difference between the, the physical, the tangible reality, and this reality is experiencing? Because you know, or does it have consequences? Does it? You know, how does it pan out? If it had been there longer, you know, that sort of thing. So. I, I do like sort of what, where this is heading. As an opener, like you say, it's not the most, sh- it's not a showstopper, you know. It's, <clears throat> but again, this came out in 1959, so these different sort of standards. But uh, I, I, I definitely enjoyed this one as an opener, um, as a teaser for what to, what's to come. Yeah. Um, a- any final thoughts then before we sort of uh, we wrap up on that first episode? Well, as far as being lenient, you know, we got to keep in mind Rod Serling was pumping these scripts out. You know, yeah. he was writing 30, 40 episodes <laughs> a year, which is amazing. And the quality is astounding given that. Uh, and I think this does set the sort of tone for the series in that so many episodes are sort of like a thought experiment. They, mm-hmm. You know, you can summarize them in one, two, three sentences at most. Um, and it's all about sort of like exploring the implications. Um, and I really dig that. You know, mm. some people might think it's a little slow, but I really dig that. So, any, any final thought? 
No, I, I agree. I, I like it. Is that sort of that you know that thought experiment? The other thing I kind of like is the fact the the main character of this, like you know, I don't know who he is. I don't know if he went to anything else, but this is a one man show for the most part. And I think the actor that, that does it is actually pretty good. Uh, and you know, holds holds his own in a, in a you know a competent way to for for a, if you were to be told right, you're going to be on your own on screen for half an hour, and you're the opening of this TV show. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot to carry. So he does a he does a good job. So yeah, and you're right about that. I like the fact as well. Just a final thing, you say about the, the episode being summed up in a couple of epi- a couple of sentences. I love these Rod Serling openings. <laughs> They're so you know I know them as cliches. I know them as where they've all been ripped off and parodied. To see to hear the originals is fantastic. So uh, really enjoying that. Anyway, there we go. That's our first episode. We've talked about where is everybody the opening episode of season one of the twilight zone 1959 so uh julian thank you very much um thank you scott all forward and onward yeah on to the next episode so ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening and uh, we shall see you on the next episode <laughs> <laughs>